Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to welcome you to our Let's Talk Family series. I want to welcome those of you at our McKinney campus, those of you at our Hazlitt campus, those of you in additional seating here at Keller, those of you watching online or maybe watching online later. However you joined us, we're so glad that you're here with us. Would you join me in welcoming them? Good to have you guys with us. As we're continuing this Let's Talk Family series, we do have our next-gen team, Pastor Tyron and Betsy, been there from the very beginning, overseeing our next-gen environment, Pastor Ryan and Kamale working with students, and then Pastor Ethan and Tristan working in that preteen phase, and we'll get to them in just a minute and all the insights and, and encouragement that they have for you, but when we talk about being a multi-generational church, it sounds like such a great thing, but... I don't know if you've noticed this, it's a little bit more difficult than just, hey, let's be multi-generational. We're challenged in our world today trying to sort this out. You, you may have never thought of it this way, but for the first time in American history, sociologists tell us there are six generations in America living at the same time. Now, sometimes sociologists call them different names. Sometimes they put different dates, but I could imagine as you look at these, you might be thinking, okay, well, I think I know where I'm at. You know, we have the builders, sometimes called the greatest generation there, and, and we have boomers, right? Oh, there they are. That's a very boomer reaction. Um, I don't know if you boomers know this, but the millennials, when they say, okay, boomer, it's not a compliment. Um, it means you're old, right? And so we have that group, the, one of the, you know, that was the, the group that, that came, you know, as a result of post-World War II, and they grew up in the 60s, and they got all these opinions, and they were really having a great time in the 80s, and then there were those of us who were their kids, Gen X, that's, that's my group. Yeah, yeah, I see you Gen Xers out there. We're small, but we're mighty, and... Um, Cynical, grew up with all kinds of challenges, right? We were the first ones to figure out that your leaders could lie to you. And, and uh, you know, we had nuclear war tests where we hid under desks. I was the kid going, this ain't gonna work. Your teacher's like, shut up, Jed. And anyways, um, we, we gave you uh, grunge music and, and hip hop. You're welcome. Uh, we blessed the world with that. And then we had the millennials that came after and the millennials, yeah. Yes, I don't know if you know this or not, but you probably figured it out. 95% of millennials believe they're above average. Um, the math doesn't work, but that's okay. We, we love you. You all got trophies, and, and that's great. Um, hey, it's real. We're just, hey, here I'm we are. Special. It's a, you're special. a lively group, so I'm just leaning into it. And then, and then after... Millennials, millennials are older than you think. There's this group behind them, Gen Z, and they're, here they come, and they got lots of opinions. I, I don't know if you know this or not. There's a group that's coming after. We haven't really decided what to name them. Some people say alpha. Some people say polars. They're coming along soon. And here's why I bring this all up. You probably realize this is an issue in the workplace. The majority of people in the workplace believe that they're going to struggle if they work on a project with someone from a different generation. It's a challenge in our schools, trying to figure out how to communicate, and, and things are moving so quickly. I teach here in Milestone College, and I had a moment a couple weeks ago. I was teaching a class, and I was looking at the class, and I think I'm young. I'm young at heart. I work with college students my entire ministry life. So I said, guys, remember 9-11? They kind of looked at me. 
They said, Pastor Jed, we weren't alive yet. And so I was holding a dry erase marker. I just threw it in the air and walked out because I was done at that point. But, but it happened so fast. But their context, the way they see the world is so different. And I know in our families, as a pastor over the last couple years, so many family challenges. We tried to talk about an important issue. We tried to talk about politics. And now this member isn't talking to that member. And they don't feel understood. And so here's the challenge. The Bible says this is not the way God designed it. God described himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a multi-generational God. Look what the Bible says here in Psalms 145. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. Why are we doing this this weekend? Because we want to be multi-generational. Here's, here's what happens. I don't know if you've ever done this. I do this. Most of us in our generation, we think, well, our music's the best, our movie's the best. We have it figured out. If you would be more like me, then we could understand each other. And no generation really works like that. We want to be understood. Our experiences are different. Our, our, our processes are different. The things that have formed us are different. And so what we're trying to do is create understanding, create growth, be learners who could say, I may not have your experience, but I care about you. So I want to be the kind of person who can bridge across generations out of a love of God and out of a willingness to serve and love people. So that's what we're trying to do this weekend and no better group of people to do it than this team. And I thought there's no better place to start with Pastor Tyron and Betsy. Help us, Betsy, understand when we're thinking about this issue, how does it work? Where do we start? What's the most important thing we have to think about? I think when you're thinking about connecting one generation to the next, it goes back to what Pastor Jeff and Brandy talked about last week about the heart. It, it comes back to the heart, connecting to the heart of the next generation. I love Proverbs 4. We all know it. It's above all else. And I think circle that above all else. It all, everything flows out of the heart. So I think looking back over years of student ministry, we started when we were kids. We were in our teens when we started student ministry. Many moments at an altar praying for kids or sitting across our kitchen table with a, a group of girls or guys or um, even in our own household, um, taking the time to listen to where they're at. Um, so many times I know I have failed at this. I just think I, I just have to fix it. I have to, you know, I have to give them the answer. And they're not always looking for that in those moments. They're looking for presence. They're looking for someone to be there, you know, to listen. I think um, we have to take the time to be present. I, I just was thinking about this idea of stewardship. Stewarding the heart looks like presence, patience, knowing that it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. And it takes energy on our part. And I think about this weekend is a, a special weekend, a dear now friend of mine who, who feels like a daughter in a lot of ways that I've walked with for many, many years. It's a, it's a milestone moment for her this weekend, but I remember when she walked in at 16, broken, and just remembering those moments across the table, looking at her and saying, this is who you are. What, where, where you're at right now, what you're walking through is not who you are. This is who you are. I want to remind you what God has on your life, continuing to point them back to uh, the destiny and the, and the identity that God has for them. I think we have to take the time to listen and to, to lean in and, and, and not 
disengage. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but that we just, we, we create this space for people to, to feel vulnerable, a safe place. I think that's where, where we are able to reach across generations and, and hear each other. I think that's where it starts, the heart. I, you know, I was 19 years old. I was a broken young man whenever I met Jesus, you know, and we've been serving in student ministry since we were both 19. And so while we were investing in other people's kids, we were having to raise little kids. And now our kids are getting older and married and moving on and, and things like that. But, you know, the one thing that connected to me, it connected to us both individually, and one thing that still connects with this generation today, and I believe every generation, is an atmosphere that's, that's intentional and is authentic, you know? They don't need hype. They don't need fluff. They don't need, they don't need entertainment. What they really need is something real. And, you know, I'm no longer standing on this stage most Wednesday nights preaching. But I find myself standing in the back in the sound booth back there, and I'm not really watching so much what's going on on this stage. I'm watching what's happening in these seats. And I'm watching young people who are so busy all week long. They don't know how to sit still. They don't know. They respond at the wrong time. They grab pins from the back of the seat pockets and they're throwing them and they think it's funny. But there comes a time where there's a moment where God connects to them and meets them where they're at. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to my wife. That's what's still happening today. And it reminds me in, in Genesis 28, you talked about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of multiple generations. I, I love the fact that, that Jacob, he, he deceives his father to take the blessing that was due to his older brother, his twin brother, who's a little bit older. And his brother is obviously upset because that was a big deal. And he vows, I'm, I, when father dies, I'm gonna find you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you. And so he's running for his life. So he's running from his past. He's running away from what he's done. But he's very insecure and he's very anxious about his future. He doesn't know what's ahead of him. And he finds himself in this place called Bethel. And Bethel doesn't look like what the worship slide screens looked like a minute ago in the mountains where it's easy to connect to God. That's one of my favorite things to do, right? He says, you're in creation. And you're like, wow, man, God's here. Yeah. Not Bethel. Not sometimes in a season of your life where everything's rocky and uncertain and you don't know what's going on. But he goes to sleep there and God meets him where he's at. And he wakes up and he says, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I was unaware of it. He has a moment with God. He has an encounter with God, and Jacob's life changes so much so that God changes his name. He gives him a new identity. And I think about the environments that we create, whether it's in our homes, whether it's a camp, whether it's a retreat, a Wednesday night, whether it's with our students that are in the back, our kids, real, authentic, intentional environments, because Jacob, his grandfather, Abraham, walked with God. His father walked with God. He was around the things of God, Jacob was, but he had to have his own moment. And I think about so many people, like we have had encounters with God as moms and dads and grandma and grandpas, but our, our, our students have to have their own walk with God, their own encounter with God, because at the end of the day, that's what we care about the most. It's not the trophies that they have. It's not the achievements. It's can we transfer authentic, real faith to them? And that's what really matters. And that's what this house is really about. We love it. We've given our lives to it. And I love to see Ryan and Kamale and Tristan and Ethan and Jesse and Liz and all the other ones. I love to see them doing what they're doing because they're doing the same thing, a different generation, but doing the same thing. It's really good. And isn't it interesting? I hope you guys caught what each of them said there. 
You know, with the story of Jacob and with the story of the young leader that Betsy was referencing, a lot of rocky moments, a lot of moments where it didn't look like anything was getting through or it was happening, and yet all it takes is a moment with God and their lives could be transformed. I think that's so encouraging. Okay, so Pastor Ethan and Tristan, you yeah. guys working with that preteen age. It's a difficult age. Yes. It's a difficult age to be in there. Yes. It's a difficult age to be the parent. I've got two in your environment right now that are with you. So help us understand what are some critical things to be looking for, yeah. for as a parent, but also what are the teens work or preteens working through in that season? Well, I'll start with this just to echo what Pastor Tyron said. Um, I'm very much so a product of our environment. I came as a pastor's kid to elevate uh, late 2000s, met my wife there. Um, shout and out elevate. Shout out elevate. And went to a fall retreat and it had a radical impact on my faith, my walk, my moment. And so I'm, I'm passionate about now seeing the next generation have those moments. And it really starts with those preteen, those middle school years, which, which are difficult. I don't know if you can remember back to being in middle school. Probably wasn't easy, wasn't easy for me, and it's not easy for them now. And like you said, it's not easy to raise them. But I wanna encourage you as parents, man, keep pressing in. You are the single biggest influence in their life. And so press in, push past the awkward because they are, they're awkward, formative, emotional, hormonal years. And out of all the things they could revolt and rebel against, it's, it's the deodorant years, okay? They're like, they're out to rebel against deodorant. I'm like, please, somebody coach you. No, no parenting book says, tell your kid, put on deodorant. Yes. I ask that question all the time to my son. Did you put on deodorant? Unfortunately, I know the answer most of the time. Is no. Yes, he did not. <laughs> you can smell them before they were. My kids are in the house. So that, that's it. They're awkward. But I think with parents of preteens and middle schoolers, there's a real tension. And, and this is what I want to talk about is the tension between how much do I step in and help when I see them starting to struggle? Because no one likes to watch their, their students struggle. And I would say this, usually it's one of two tendencies. The first tendency is to withdraw, right? Okay, they're emotional, hormonal, they're smelly. I'm gonna give them their space. That's how it was for me. They'll figure it out. Um, but I would say that that's not a win. Like, dad, your daughters don't wanna hug you at that age. Hug them anyways. Take them to dinner, get into their world. Um, they need that. That's a huge part of their identity. Mothers, your sons can't sit still, but love them anyways, okay? They won't pay attention. Love them anyways. So I would encourage you not, not to take a step back. And then the other side of the ball, which I feel like we see a lot of, is more of the, the helicopter parent, okay? Really, really involved. When I was in the Army, I worked in helicopters and just mom's there, okay? It's like, hold on, time out. Or the bulldozer parent who, you know, is I'm gonna plow every obstacle in your way. And I would say that's not a win either because the Bible actually tells us in Romans 5 that it's actually trials and hard things and challenges that produce character in them. So sometimes even with the right heart of, man, I don't want you to go through this, it's you'll shield them from it, but you could hinder an opportunity for them to grow in their character. Now, I'm not talking about things Things that are harmful, but things that are hard because you got to produce grit and character in them. And so I think that, I mean, I love that Pastor Jeff said last week, hey, I'm not going to call your teacher. 
I'm not gonna call your coach because you're not getting more playing time. I'm not gonna scream at the ref on the sideline of your game even if they made a bad call because you have to learn how to deal with disappointment because that's gonna help you grow in your character. And uh, I also th think something that really helps at the preteen middle school age is a gradual handoff of responsibility. That can be some, some hard things because I can remember being in the sixth grade and because I was smelly and started playing sports, my mom said, you are doing your own laundry from here on out. I was not happy about that. I did not love scooping the dog poop. However, it started to build character within me because parents, when it comes to some of that small basic responsibility, those are prime years to start to hand off because you'd rather watch them struggle while they're still under their, your roof with some of that basic responsibility than they struggle at 18 when they go off to college. And, and the truth is, as a parent, and you could probably attest to this, you probably didn't do the laundry perfect every time. No. And sometimes it means they mess up. It actually would be easier and less work as a parent to just yes. do it yourself. <laughs> But you're not helping them. Yeah. You're not. You need to give yes. them that opportunity. Absolutely. It's good. Tristan, help us understand some of what your experience in the same way. Yeah. Moment. So even in that same vein of just transferring responsibility, I think if we're all honest, we also want to transfer our faith, right? We want to transfer our values. We want to transfer the things that have impacted us in our walk. Um, and so I think about uh, when I was growing up, I, I got saved at 10 years old at a church camp environment. And going home, I was like, okay, I know that Christians read their Bible. So started reading my Bible every day. And that doesn't mean I always understood it, right? Anybody get to Leviticus and you're like, what in the world is happening, right? Let's stay in the New Testament maybe. But um, I say all that to say the word of God planted in my heart kept me in my life in different, in different moments or different points where I either need to be reminded of who God is or who I am in light of what yeah. Jesus had done for me. So I think one practical way of just transferring your faith and creating that in your home Read your Bible with your students. Take an opportunity to, to sit down. Tell me what you're learning. Tell me what you learned this weekend in, in a different environment and back in kids' ministry or wherever your kids are at. Um, we see at this age a lot, kids are connecting the dots of their faith to their reality. Yeah. Kids are raising their hands for the first time in worship. Yes. They're reading their Bible for the first time. And you can be a part of that and helping impart that to them while they're in your home. But also make no mistake, I'm not saying, okay, let's add something else to the calendar or, okay, they said on this panel, we gotta you know, read the Bible, I guess, so let's sit down and go through the motions. It's not that. It is creating a moment around the word of God or around an environment of worship in your home, playing worship music or, or just talking about God yeah. even. That's how you help your kids continue to take steps. It's really good. You, you, that may sound intimidating. You don't have to be a theologian. It no. just means that you just read the Bible with them and talk to them about it. And it's, you're like, Jed, that's hard. They're going to have a difficult time. Yeah, they're going to have a difficult time. They're junior high kids. They're on screens all day. I mean, the Bible is confusing for a lot of people, and it's a couple thousand-year-old document, but it is the Word of God, and it doesn't return void. And so those moments where you read it with them, even if you don't have all the answers, none of us do, but to talk about it, to get it in front of them, to let that Word get in them, because it's going to come out yeah. eventually. And Thank it's probably so going to be awkward at first. Yeah. We'll push, push past that. Yeah. It's, it. it's good great. investment. And they appreciate it. They yes. may not appreciate it or yes. ever say thank you in the moment, but later it's going to help them. Yes. So I, I don't know if you guys know this, but at our McKinney campus, we've been seeing our largest student services ever. Our Hazlitt campus really was birthed. It came out of 
students being bused, and that's kind of how the campus started. Here at our Keller campus, in our student ministry environments, thousands of young people being impacted. It's really a move of God. Really, really cool what's happening. And so right in the middle of that, Pastor Ryan and Kamala, you guys are there. You're talking with students. And as a parent, I know sometimes students will say things to you guys that they don't necessarily say to us because those moments of talking can be difficult. Help us understand what are students saying? What are you seeing that would be helpful for parents to know? Yeah, with, with high school students, we're seeing uh, they're in that in-between phase of, like, I want to be an adult, but I'm, I'm not there yet, so I'm trying to figure it out. You know, like, they want all the responsibility and freedom, but they don't want to pay for gas or take care of the dog. You know, so it's like, it, it's totally That's different. True. So it's like, I, I kind of want to, but I don't know about the consequences. But they're really trying to become an adult. Um, and with that, sh- like, sharing what's on their heart, one of the things that we hear often them say uh, that they, they want to tell you, but they really don't know how is I want you to keep pursuing me even when I push you away. And, and one way that I wanna encourage moms and dads in here, my, my soon-to-be adult that's gonna leave my house, and so I know it's an interesting transition moving from when they're young kids of what we've heard, being Pastor Jeff said on, uh, last weekend, on sitting on this side of the table and talking to them, like, here's what you need to do, stop doing this, to then coming to the other side of the table and as a coach, like, how did that make you feel? Tell me, Miss um, Betsy hit on it so well about actually giving them an ear to share something. Because the truth is, they will tell somebody and you'd want them to tell a trusted voice in their life. And so that's something that I've been learning. Another thing that we've been hearing a lot of students also say, uh, but they don't know how to say this or verbalize it, is help me say no to things that will hurt my future. Help me say no. And that's what I love so much about the power of multiple anchors that we believe here at Milestone. You're like, what is that? A multiple anchor is a trusted voice in their life. Other praying parents. They're, they're literally parents that are praying for your student. You mentioned Super Series on Wednesday nights. We have over 100 people on our prayer team. A lot of them are moms and dads. Not like, you gotta be really cool. It's, it's like caring parents down here, praying for students, praying for your students. Um, and you want an anchor in their life because you want them to go to someone that you can trust. It's a small group leader. It's a healthy peer relationship. It's a pastor helping redirect them back to what God's word says and back to Jesus. Because the truth is, culture, online, all of that stuff is gonna keep pointing to itself and that's gonna keep changing. But what I read in 2 Timothy 3.16 is that all scripture is God-breathed and that's actually useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It's helpful for us. So we need multiple people in a high school student's life where they can open up and share their heart and then we can point it back to Jesus in his word. So I just want to encourage moms and dads in here just not to disengage, uh, fully lean in. And it's, it's interesting because it's always at inopportune times when they want to share. Like I, I'm, I've been walking with a young man for the past couple years, and he got saved, and he's trying to figure out his faith, and he's just stumbling through it. You know, it ended up one, one time, it was, it was late here at Elevate, and it was, it was past closing time. I mean, it was, it was late, and he's so frustrated at, like, a conversation we're having, you know, throws a shoe at his truck, like, he's so mad. And, and at that moment, um, honestly, I had a moment, like, parents, you may feel this way, too. Like, he, he stormed off. I'm like, oh, dude, like, did I, did I lose him? Like, is he going to even come back and want to and listen? Like, because I'm trying to help him. And I know maybe as a parent, you can feel the way that your own student, where they're like stumbling in, they get mad and they're frustrated and like, you don't understand what, and then and, and like, I just want to encourage you, don't, don't let rejection discourage you. 
Don't let it discourage you. In that moment, it's just calm, cool, and collective because they're gonna come back. They're gonna come back on, on how you treat that. And eventually he ended up coming back around. We got to see him go in the tank, go public with his faith. And so it's, I just wanna encourage every, every parent in here on uh, just those couple things. I know this was a little bit of your experience with um, not some of this, but really like the multiple anchors uh, growing up in your home and like the word of God uh, really impacted you. Yeah, I would just say if you have teenagers in your home right now, the whole thought about multiple anchors is we don't want to take your place as a parent. Right. We're not trying to take your voice or your influence. We're trying to partner together with you. And there is so many times on a Wednesday or a weekend where, you know, I talk to a lot of the girl students and they'll share things on their heart that they've never told their parents. And my number one first point to them is you need to go home and tell your mom. You need to go home and share this with your parents because we want to partner with you. We're not trying to replace you. We're trying to partner with you and help you. We want to make you guys the heroes of your home. We're not, we're not the answer for your students. We're here to help and partner, but we're pointing them back towards you. And we want to be able to help you know how to navigate because it is a really tricky and tough season of their life. And I know even just for me, multiple anchors has been a huge part of my life. Even when I was in high school, I grew up in a big family. My parents were first generation Christians. So they did not have the example of growing up in a church, how to raise a Christian family. They were just trying to figure it out. They made a lot of mistakes along the way, but something that I do remember growing up is my parents had a value of us being in church together. And when I was in high school, I remember like me and all my siblings and my parents there on Sundays worshiping God, and it was a value. And in those moments and those atmospheres, I found a lot of those multiple anchors, those small group leaders, those parents who were serving in a service, my friends' parents that I was meeting at church, and those people became voices in my life. And shortly after, right after I graduated high school, I was 18, I ended up losing my dad to a heart attack. And honestly, that was the hardest thing I had walked through up until that time in high school. And I remember thinking I had this moment where I thought, I'm done with my faith. I don't know if I'm gonna believe this anymore. I'm ready to walk away. And it was those moments, those multiple anchors, those small group leaders reached out to me. Those other parents prayed for me. They told me, come back to church, sit in the seat next to me, I'm with you. God's not through with you yet. And I'm so grateful that I had those. And my parents brought me to those environments because I found those trusted voices. And I'm gonna encourage all of the parents out there, your voice really matters the most. You have so much influence in your teenager's life. They might not ever say it, but they really do appreciate so much when you make an effort and take a step towards them. And that might sound intimidating because you're like, I don't even know how to communicate to a teenager, right? I was talking to a mom the other week at Elevate and she was asking me for some help. She said, Kamala, I was, I was talking to my teenage daughter and you know, I had spilled all these things to her and I'm trying to help her. I'm saying all this and she's looking at me with this blank stare and I said, are you even hearing what I'm saying? And she said, no. She had no idea what her mom was saying. And her mom was like, I'm trying. I'm trying to connect. How do I do this, right? Maybe you relate to that. Your teenagers give you this blank stare and you're like, I don't know how to speak your language. We wanna be able to help you with some practical things. I'm gonna go through these quick. 
The first is show me, don't tell me. We hear so many students say this. They want you as a parent, not just to tell them all the things, but they're watching you. They're watching, do you do the things that you're asking me to do? Things like, are you reading your Bible in front of your students? Are you modeling a Christian lifestyle? Are you modeling walking in forgiveness and repentance? How are you talking about your boss? Because if you tell them to talk to their teachers a certain way, but they hear you in your house talking about others, they can see through a lot of the things that we're telling them. If they see it on us, it's a whole different ballgame. Actions speak louder than words. Another is be together with no screens. If you have a teenager, you know they're glued to that screen. And I'm sure you've said it before, put your phone away. But there need to be moments in your family, moments in your home. Maybe it's when you go out to eat where you don't just ask them to put their phone away, but you put your work email away. We put the phone call away for a moment and have that face-to-face time, just like Miss Betsy was talking about. They want that interaction with you. Ask questions that show you're taking an interest in them. Even as Pastor Jed was talking about the different generations, right? We're like, listen to my music. Why don't you like this? Why don't you do this? It means so much to your high school student if you take a step towards them. Ask what are they interested in? Maybe they're you know, interested in a sport. Go to the sport game, go practice with them. Be a part of what they are a part of. It makes a really big impact in them. And the last one, I think this one's really important for all of us as a great reminder is, you can ask your student, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Maybe, you know, your student comes home from school or from something and you ask them, hey, how's your day today? And they say, good, fine, right? We've all heard that before. We're like, is there anything else? And it's hard to sometimes get through. A question like, hey, how can I pray for you? That allows us to be able to hear what a student is going through. And I would encourage you, start by praying for them. Maybe you ask them that and then, you know, later, you and your spouse, or maybe it's just you, you go pray for them, but then move into praying for them to praying with them. If you can pray with your student and model that, model that prayer together right there, maybe before they go to bed, maybe it's midnight and you're tired, you've been at work all day, it matters. They're gonna remember it and it makes such an impact in their life and it it helps connect on a deeper level. So good. So many great little practical things in there I know we as parents could take right now, today, and put into practice, but As we're wrapping up, Pastor T, help us think through this. Uh, You know, if we were to just sum it up, if we were to think about, okay, how do we know if we're making progress? What what is the best way for us to think about, okay, here's where we're really at? I mean, at the end of the day, I, I, I think all of us, we're all in the same kind of boat. It's like we all think sometimes, like, if I knew that or if I had that in my corner, then maybe I would see a different result with my kid. And what I think most people don't realize is even as pastors and leaders, we're sitting there going, man, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, I know what the right thing to do is, but I'm not seeing the results, you know? So there's trusting. We have to trust God. We have to go back to what does God say? We have to believe the best about them, and we have to speak life over them, you know? And so what we're looking for is, a, is, not, a, is not just conformity. What we're looking for is a heart change, and it's really understanding the why. Like, I love you and care about you, and I don't want to see you wreck your life. And I think what we've been able to do is back to that authentic, like we've opened up appropriately about our own mistakes and shortcomings. Dad, tell me a little bit about that. And so, hey, here's what happened and here's what I was feeling. And they'll make you uncomfortable. Yeah, I, Not me, you. Yeah, that's true. That is true. You. When you say, you, you know, you can ask me, they'll ask. Yeah. Get ready. Take and, a and big, you want that. deep breath. 
because yeah. they're gonna they're gonna ask someone. I think one of the things that I've seen is is you know for Betsy and I is you know you're thinking man my kids you know man I'm gonna. I'm going to do all the things that, you know, I like to do, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm not an athlete in a bunch, you know, and I'm like, dang, okay, what do I do now, you know? And so it's like, but you got to take a step towards them where they're at, right? And it's like, you know, and if you have that and you are that, then great. That's cool. You know, I envy you. But, I, you know, I had to find other ways to connect. And I've watched my wife sit there and watch the whole Marvel Universe, whatever it is, movies, you know. But I'm like, what are y'all watching again? And she's like, she'll sit down with him and watch. 30 minutes later, she's falling asleep. Yeah. And he'll stop it and he'll start it again the next day. But she's sitting down with him yes. because she's connecting where he's at. Really and at the end of the day, we all said it. It's not about having them take a step to you. It's about you taking a step towards them because you got to remember, God took a step towards us. He met us where we were. So take a step towards them. Find a way into their heart. Look for strategic moments that are marking moments to connect with your kid, whether that's a trip, whether it's a concert, whether it's a date, whether it's a one on one, whatever. Or a TV it is, show. Or a TV show <laughs> that they'll remember. They might not remember everything you taught them, they certainly cannot remember every message they ever heard. But what they're going to remember is how you made them feel and that you were there with them and that you love them and they trust you. Because at the end of the day, what we want to be able to transfer is authentic, real faith. And there's no way that we can do that unless we have it ourselves. And so we're all on a journey. We all need God's grace every day. And so let's just admit when we're wrong. Let's repent and be humble and let's do the best we can, but live it before them. If we do that, they'll catch it. Though it'll be like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They'll catch it. It'll transfer it to the next generation. So good. I heard a guy this week, two, two successful leaders on a podcast, not even believers. They're like, how, how do you measure being rich? They said, rich is if when you're 70, your kids want to come home to you. I think that's a picture. Would you join me in thanking them for all these insights? Thank you guys so much. Really helpful. Thank you, all of you at our different campuses online joining us. I wanna close in prayer. Jesus, we're so grateful. God, we thank you that you are a God of multiple generations. Lord, as the world is trying to solve this issue and struggling to figure out how we can relate, God, we're thankful for your grace and for your mercy. God, I pray that you'd help each of us, no matter what generation we're a part of, to be understanding, to, to position ourselves as humble learners who model the love of God who don't come in with all the answers. We're committed to our convictions and we're sure of what your word says, but we wanna be people who bridge the gap. God, I'm praying for a parent today who feels frustrated, who feels like they've tried everything and they're struggling to connect to their team. Maybe, maybe even a single mom and she feels like this is so much and I feel like I've given everything I've got. Lord, I pray supernaturally you'd meet her in that place. God, I'm praying for those of us parents who, who, who are quick to coach and quick to try to fix. God, that you'd give us the grace to back up and to give them room to grow and to trust that you're working even when we, we can't see it. God, I'm praying for those parents or aunts and uncles or grandparents who are deeply concerned about a prodigal. God, I'm praying that you would do what only you could do. God, you're the only ones who could turn hearts. God, I pray that you'd reach into that situation and that young person you'd show them your goodness and your love and that you'd change them in that moment. God, help us to be those kind of people. 
Help us to be a, a family of believers who see you move in miraculous ways. Lord, you said in your word that we would know you're moving when the hearts of the fathers and the mothers would be turned towards the sons and the daughters. Let that be our story. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give them another round of applause? I'm gonna ask if you would to stand on your feet. I do wanna encourage you, just kind of tying a bow tie on this, I wanna encourage you in this Let's Talk Family series, there's a lot of dialogue in our culture about the next generation and kids. And just remember, just remember, here's the message that we're saying. It's not about athletic achievement. It's okay to be an athlete. There's nothing wrong with academic achievement. We, we need to put as much energy into their spiritual life as we do all these other areas that we focus on, their vacations, their academics, their scholarships, all the energy you put into that, what you're going to care about long-term is their spiritual life and their heart. And so I'm so thankful for a team that we are a multi-generational church and we wanna partner with you to see your kid have a heart change. Can we give them another round of applause and say, God, thank you for them. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.